Hello, you wonderful people who are listening to my podcast called The Script Whisperer. I'm your host, Ben Scharf, and I'm exactly that, a script whisperer. I'm the secret weapon in any development stage and get called in to boost the writer's confidence and help with polishing scripts. That's what I do. I have been doing this for almost 15 years now. And in this podcast, I'm going to share my experience with you. Today, I invited a guest to help me tackle this huge topic. Can writing be taught? But before we jump in, I'd like to give you a brief context of who my guest is. His name is Evan Matthews. He is a writer and director from Los Angeles with a dual master's in directing and screenwriting at USC. And he's currently touring the world with his new short film, an award-winning film called The Telios Act. You can find him and, of course, follow him on Instagram at Evan B. Matthews. At Evan B. Matthews. Okay. So this is my guest for today. And like I said, we're gonna discuss whether writing can be taught or not. So without further ado, let's jump right in. And here we are. <clears throat> yeah. Thanks for joining me um, on this, yeah, on this ride. Me. Let's start with something um, sort of to break the ice and uh, to give the viewers um, a little context of who you are and uh, maybe even why we're talking. <laughs> yeah. Well, why we're talking, uh, you know, I, I it's, uh, I started following you just I mean, years ago, actually. Yes. I've been on this deep dive of trying to understand as much about writing as possible and surround myself uh, with people and writers and influencers to keep my head in that space because there's so many distractions right. in the world. You want to stay focused. Who can you surround yourself with to keep you in that direction? You're one of those people. And I would just comment and let you know you're doing great and you're making an impact on me. You're one of the people that I consciously keep around to keep the, those messages and those principles of writing because there are principles not necessarily rules the principles to right. live and write by um and so we've always just kind of just kept friendly in the dms over exactly. the years and yeah and i've and i've noticed you always change up your routine a little bit to keep things fresh to keep it fresh and interesting for you and keep it fresh for people following you, seeing how your, your, your content evolves and how you deliver it. So you reached out. It's interesting because as soon as you reached out, my gut instinct was like, oh, wow, uh, what do I have to say? And I was like, wait, I need, this is something like as, as writers and you have new experiences, like, oh, you have to lean into these things and say, yes, you don't know what they're gonna, what's going to come of it. And as writers, we tend to be introvert, introverted, even even in the social world, social media world where it's digital, you can live safely there as an introvert and then still recoil for a second. Yeah. You get invited to something that pushes your boundaries. I'm like, no, this is great. We got to do this. It'll be fun. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, like, 
not not to worry about like what what have you got to say that um it i feel i feel like this this isn't the question to ask like you know because you have made um experience in your life and um why not share this with others and um if if one thing i learned through the course of my career is that you know everyone struggles and um sometimes with similar things and things that you even you know want to keep secret yourself and you think like okay i'm i'm embarrassed to talk about it because i i feel like that's that's just me you know no one else has the same problems it's it's just not happening and then once you really get over it and and talk to people you find like okay oh okay you're a writer and you're struggling with the same things um i'm struggling with so um mm -hmm. so what's what's your solution you know and even if you don't have a solution you have a way to go about it and just sh by sharing or hearing you talk about you know how you even if you're in the process of dealing with it that helps immensely you know and and this is yeah. why i you know like to do that um it's, it's true yeah because we we tend to suffer in silence as writers a lot of that time is spent mm -hmm. alone in this dark cave and no one really knows what that's like unless they're attempting it making a real go of it and spend that time there to really sit alone with yourself and face that blank page which is the most terrifying thing in the world and try to fill up you know 110 or more of those or less um, uh, so, um, but yeah okay it's, it's nice to have that all right All right, let's let's uh, start with uh, let's assume that we we would meet at a party um and you would um come up uh, come up to me and introduce yourself to me um what would you say like uh, introduce yourself how would you introduce yourself yeah like usually if you want to um you know make yourself known and get to know other people you know it's actually it's 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 interesting because I because I've been to those social situations where it's awkward and you have to go meet somebody. So usually what I go when I meet somebody, I ask what brought you here just to find common ground immediately. And then we right. can talk about ourselves. So that so for me, what I would usually go into if someone's like, hey, Evan, so uh, so what's your story? How'd you get here? I, so it, briefly, without go, taking giving you the hour long version. Yeah. Um, Uh, in, in, I, I studied at, uh, at UC Riverside, which is a Southern California university. And um, I didn't know what my major was going to be for the longest time. And I was just like, you know what? I just want to follow what I really want to do. I love movies. It's the place I've escaped and I've always gone to. Do we have a cinema program here? Right. And all they had at UCR was uh, film theory and critical studies. So they had no like film school classes. They had one production class that I took multiple times just so I could make more short films. So I, I graduated there with a film theory and critical studies and watched a ton of old movies and wrote a lot of boring essays and no one wants to read. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, from there, I, I have a twin brother. We're both working in the entertainment industry in, in different capacities. And we both moved to LA together Okay. Uh, right, two weeks after graduation, uh, got the first apartment we could get, which was absolutely horrible in downtown Los Angeles. And we started just contacting whoever we knew uh, mm -hmm. to get our first jobs. So I was I interned at a company called Phoenix Pictures. They're a subsidiary of Sony Pictures. So, uh, you know, with 
my my uh, my BA and my uh, intern experience, I was able to get a pretty decent job. I had an uncle who was a first AD working on the show 24 at the time was on Fox. So I got to be a PA on that. My brother worked on some other shows and then we would try to cross over wherever we could. He would bring me onto projects when 24 was over. He was working on Inconvenient Truth. So I went and, go, went and worked on Inconvenient Truth with him. And then I worked in a, uh, some MTV shows and some live oh, event right. shows. And MTV then, good. yeah, yeah, which is like, it's fun. It's like summer camp, but it's also like, all right. I did this, not I did this I too. School for. Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah, it's interesting because these, this is part of like paying your dues and learning. Yeah. Um, but you also don't want to do it too much, which is what I'll get into also. But anyway, I didn't want to PA for too long. I don't want to be like one of the PAs you meet that have been doing it for five years trying to get their break. I was like, okay, how can I just be the best I could possibly be at this and put all my effort into it and really, really care? And I, it was a genuine feeling. I was the young, happy guy on set that everyone was like, oh, we love guys like you with all that yeah. energy because we're working these 16, 17 hour days. We need yeah. this young energy and you're going to see what it's really like. We're going to, we're going to break you on this. one. <laughs> so, uh, I didn't break. I did get tired, but uh, then eventually um, I made friends with producers and let them know my intentions, what I want to do. And eventually I got to be an assistant to executive producer for Mark Burnett's production company. And mm -hmm. for those of you who might not know Mark Burnett, he produces, uh, like Survivor, Apprentice, Shark Tank, The Voice, uh, okay. produced the Emmys, the MTV Movie yeah. Awards. So he's like the, one of the biggest producers in, in LA. He's got his star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I was there for that ceremony and everyone's there. Anyway, um, then I, so I moved up to be Mark's assistant. So I parlayed my, that executive assistant role for another executive to be Mark's direct assistant. And I did that for two years. So I worked for Mark Brown for two years. I wasn't supposed to work for him for two years. I was supposed to fill in for two weeks. And, oh, right. Okay. And, and he, and I, because I was so terrified of the hallway where all the, all of his assistants worked and they were so crazy, busy, <laughs> crazy, busy. And yeah. it was so intimidating. I'm like, I don't want to touch that. That is, that's like life is over. They're on call 24 seven. They're always running around. It's so stressful. I don't, I don't know if I, I don't want that. So one of my friends uh, was uh, Mark's assistant. And she said, okay, he fired all the ex assistants except for me. And I have to build a team because I can't do this by myself. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm scared. Uh, but I said, yes. Okay. And Mark uh, on the first day, he's like, Evan, it's so great to have you. I just get these great vibes. I'm so happy you're here. And he's, he's so charming. He's got this magnetic personality. Okay. Brought, me in brought me in immediately. And then those two weeks turned into two years later. Okay. And I uh, turned that job into my first producing job. And I was a producer on the MTV Movie Awards. And oh I didn't want to, I, I realized I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. I wanted to be mm -hmm. a director. Mm -hmm. I went to school because I wanted to be a director. I loved movies. I was making maybe one short film a year because I was so busy with that job. I yeah. literally had two phones. Mm -hmm. I slept with one under my pillow because uh, you have people like Steven Spielberg and, uh, and Ben Silverman and other heads of companies like calling market crazy hours. And I have to make sure those calls go through. Yeah. So, uh, I, so I, I said to myself, okay, I'm on this ship going one direction. Either I'm going the reality world and I'm producing, I'll have the reality stuff. That's mm -hmm. not what I want to do. Yeah, I respect it. I, lined up for you. Yeah. 
yeah, it's all there. I'm going on that. Yeah. But the ship I want to be on is going this way. And the further apart they go, the harder it's going to be to make to bridge that. Yeah. How, so, how, how can you how can you course correct in that? Um, well, that's where uh, it's it's tough because my whole life was identified through my boss. It's mm -hmm. like Mark Burnett, who's a mogul, who's right. like one of the big, it was like a titan of the film industry or the entertainment industry, I should say. Well, both, because now he's like chairman at MGM. Uh, but um, I said to myself, okay, I'm producing. I don't want to be doing this. Mark always knew I wanted to be a director. He, and he always encouraged it. He's like, he always said, you have to jump in. You have to take risks. You know, mm -hmm. There's no dress rehearsal for life. Like you have to go for what you want to go for. And that's what he did. So he has no problem saying that. Um, and he lived it. And he was always mentoring us, even though we didn't know it. We were too busy to realize. Not until I left, that I realized how much I actually learned. So I did two things. I, uh, I planned my exit with Mark. I hired two assistants and I trained them for six months. And uh, I set up a bunch of director shadowing gigs through friends I made over the years so i could actually get on set be with directors learn from them directly see how they're working and see if i'm gathering all the information and and just and just take that and go to work and then simultaneously i was applying to film school and i only applied to usc because i said if i'm going to leave this paying job if i'm going to really take a risk and just go for this uh i'm only going to go to the best film school in the world right so like who are who are my favorites is like you know if it's if it's like a George Lucas and Spielberg and Zemeckis and all like, you know, those pop popcorn seat filling directors. Right. Let me go to, go to the school where they went to, or at least got honorary degrees in the case of uh, Spielberg. Um, so put all my eggs in one basket. And uh, I really had to spin a lot of plates to, and I worked hard to get into USC. It's very competitive. It's like as competitive as MIT. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it, they only take 48 students. So it's very, because it's small groups, small classes. And the reason why I wanted to go to film school was because my life had been completely dedicated to somebody else. And I wanted right. to uh, put myself in this, this little bubble where it's all about me and working on myself, working mm -hmm. on my craft, just learning, mm -hmm. learning, learning, mm -hmm. coming from a job where my work, my, my, my work ethic and schedule is, you know, 14, 15 hour days. And that's mostly in an office too, and just plugging, plugging away. Um, so I, so having that behind me and bringing that in was a huge advantage because um, you can get, you can get mixed into a crowd of people who are just trying to make the grade and complete the curriculum and just pass out and like get mm -hmm. through the course versus people who want to leverage it for all it's worth, which is what I was trying to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so so that's what brought me to film school, right? And so so that was that was so di directing that was your thing, right? From the from the get go, that's what you wanted to do. So from how the did start the, from the beginning? Yeah, yeah. And how did the how did the so, writing part come to it? It was actually it was halfway through film school that I I. I had a hard time coming up with my own projects to direct because I was directing as much as I could. I would rent out the cameras extra to make more short films. So I was just making more content while I was there to just really get as much experience as possible. So I got to the, the middle of it and I was like, content really is king. It's one of the things they, they're always promoting there. Content's king. Yeah. You've got to own your stuff. And you start to see, we started seeing a shift as you go through the program, you start to, uh, the cream starts to rise to the top and you're seeing, okay, who are kind of the all-stars in the program 
you want to surround yourself with and you have my production track, mm-hmm. which is a different part of the program versus like the Stark program, which is only like elite producers and all, and you start seeing what they're doing. They're all turning to screenwriting and we had a great screenwriting program and I took some screenwriting classes and then you start hearing about the UCLA classes and how they're the mm-hmm. great screenwriting program. So I started saying, okay, I really need my biggest weakness is screenwriting is screenwriting and it's always been it's always if i'm if i'm playing i don't know if you play basketball but i love basketball and imagine if you've never played with your left hand you only play right-handed so i'm playing right-handed everything and then eventually you're gonna get shut down if you're forced to your left so my left hand was screenwriting (laughs) so uh i didn't yeah yeah, the weak side so uh i realized i have to make this my strength and if i don't have something to direct. I don't have my first feature. I don't have anything to really stand on. So I said, I'm going to totally switch gears. I'm still going to follow through with my directing path at USC, but now okay. I want to do a, a dual. I want to do a dual emphasis in film school. It's already challenging. Now I'm going to do two. Now I'm going to do the screenwriting track. Um, so the directing part, that thesis, that's a whole other story for a whole other talk. But for screenwriting. I just made it a mission because I was just failing constantly. I was just writing bad exposition everywhere, over descriptive uh, prose everywhere. And that's where it's a safe place at film school. Yeah. Cause I, and, and, and God bless those film school teachers and guys like you, because you have to read everybody's stuff at those early stages. Yeah. 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 And you have to see the same mistakes that you made a million years ago and people are still making in those beginning levels, but you can't skip that. You have to go through that and you can't expect to get on some hot, you can't go to some high level directing or writing without failing all of those levels in between. You have to go through that. There is, there's just no shortcut. There's just no shortcut. You have to, you know, put in, you have to put in the hours. That's just it. That's just it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You do, you do. And you know, when you start making that effort, like it's like a light bulb just goes, goes off and you want to just make a beeline for that. So for me, I was like all writing focus. I still was taking all my other classes and everything, but I was just focused. I was just, you know, reading Joseph Campbell, reading the field, reading a big one, a big book that was really uh, impactful on me was The Art of Dramatic Writing by Leho Zegri, um, which uh, a writing mentor who, I, who came my way uh, in this process recommended that to me. And soon as I started focusing on character more, that was where I started to realize a lot of roots of my problems were because I think we all, a lot of writers tend to, at least like who I read in film school and everything, a lot of talented writers, by the way, there, um, a lot of people write to plot because they feel like it's so easy. They know the events, they could see that in their mind, but they don't, they, it it becomes another left hand so to speak, Absolutely. thinking about character, yeah. right? So the, my new my new left hand that I still have not developed was character. So uh, and understanding the motivations and the of the character, really being mindful and thoughtful of sitting and really happened yet, and it still wouldn't happen. I was still denying that. I was still not willing to like face myself in the mirror with that. But as far as as film school went it, it, with a writing track, you had to write a first draft yeah. of a screenplay and you had to write a second draft of that. And, you know, I don't think I'd ever leave, let, I don't think I'd 
can't let anyone read that outside of film school. It's like the thing ever. I'm so glad I wrote my worst, most horrible script ever in film school. So you <laughs> kind of get that one out of your system. You know, yeah. no one's like writes their first draft and says, this is it. <laughs> so, I mean, someone out there, I'm sure has. But maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, but, I, but I think it's a myth. Um, yeah. They just, they just tell you that this is the first draft they've ever written, but it's actually not. <laughs> Like yes, you said, yeah. you have to go through a, a certain kind of process. And, and I think the process is very important uh, in, in two ways. One, um, you need to sort of drain your body of all the stuff that is not useful. Um, but at the same time, you need to tap into something that you have probably not tapped into before or that is too that you don't have the skills to really make it happen on a daily basis or you know it's like a connection you need to build to really tap into your inner um mind and that is where sort of the writing happens like what's really going on with you and i and i i, I read this a lot you know the part where i can i can immediately tell like if you're if you're trying or if you're telling me a story that actually matters to you, um, I, I, I read this on the on on the first um, page of the screenplay, right? And this is this is sort of yeah, it's but it's a process to get there. Like you have to write a lot and you have to make a lot of stuff that doesn't work in order for you to figure out how it works with you, and then you're good to go, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's there's a lot of beauty in that failure because I've, yeah. I remember my, I think my, my fourth screenplay was a total regression in what I learned because I was writing for the wrong reasons. I was, uh, I had reconnected with a producer friend of mine inside of USC. He was becoming very, very successful. He was a great guy, super talented. And we were having conversations. I pitched him a few ideas. There was some that we narrowed down. There was one that he liked and another one, he was close on and he said, and I was like, well, I really want to do this one. And I wasn't fully connected to it yet. I was chasing the potential of getting it made and yes. a possible career totally off that it. instead of, instead yeah. of writing from a place, place of total truth and honesty, I was writing like, I need to get this done so I can get this made so I can have a career. And it was like, those are all the wrong reasons. Those are all the wrong reasons. When you're working as a writer, you have to come from such a place of purity, truth, and honesty. And this mm -hmm. is something you bring up a lot. What For a lot of writers, it'll be in a moment, it'll be in a certain script where all of a sudden it clicks and you see like the matrix code of the world. And you're like, I don't care about anybody. Not, not in like a massacre, like, but what anybody thinks. I'm not writing yeah. this because I want someone to like me. I'm doing this as for me and it's going to yes. be true and it's going to be honest and it's going to be good and it's going to be pure. And it, it takes time to get those other scripts out of your system to finally get mm -hmm. to that moment. Sometimes yeah. it might just take that first, that first script. Sometimes yeah. it might take, you know, six, six or seven drafts. It's just, it's different for everybody, but those, yeah. those failures and be able to look back and say, wow, I got that so wrong. You get to see where you went wrong. Just like when you watch a bad movie, watch a bad oh, yeah. movie. Here, here it goes. And you say, here it oh. goes. yeah, yeah. No, you I'll, watch I'll, a bad movie and you're like, yeah. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. I'll jump in. I'll jump in right after that. Yeah. 
So like uh, sometimes you're sitting there watching a bad movie and sometimes I picked it out. So sorry, honey. Uh, but I was, there's so much to learn because you're like, oh man, you just missed a huge opportunity to get someone to care more. Or wow, you have mm. expositional dialogue right. and you're writing. That got that everybody on every level of production, even the actors, to get to a point where where someone was still had their insecure dialogue in there. Like there was, they still mm -hmm. felt like they had to get that a point so desperately that they're yes. just telling you how they feel. It's like no, like mm. when and out, just cut back. Let the audience do two plus two. Let them engage in the story oh, yeah. and put it together, and they will love it that much more. Let them do the math. Then they're actively participating Engaged. one of the greatest yeah. examples yeah they have to be engaged so i take bad movies i get to learn to get to pick it apart and do our own little film study and deconstruction anyway you were going to say something about it yeah it's, 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 it's a little fun story you know the, the the first script when i when i really sort of nailed it and this got shopped around a lot was you know after i've seen um tarantino's death proof and that movie um you know really rocked the boat but in a bad way. I thought, okay, wh what, you know, I, could, I couldn't handle this movie. I couldn't stand it. But what it did, it forced me, you know, to sit down and sort of type it away. Because I thought, okay, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you guys what this movie should have been. Um, and then, then I was, you know, full, it, it was a kind of a, a mix of rage and uh, excitement. And I sit down yeah. And I, and, I, and I did type it in, in, in four weeks. Like, you know, it was like, a, it was pure madness. Uh, and I went down the rabbit hole for four weeks. And then, you know, after I um, sort of um, raised to the surface again, I gave it to people, you know, to read because I had the feeling, okay, there is something in there that wasn't in my scripts before. Um, so I, shot, so I uh, showed it to people and they kept coming back to me and say like, this is really intense stuff. Like this, this feels like you wanted to say something. And, and then, I, then, then it clicked, you know, because I actually wanted to say something. <laughs> so that was, the, yeah. that was the moment when I thought, okay, so, so there is the difference. There's the difference. You know, I can, I can craft the story and you can, you can read the story. And it probably will feel okay. You will be okayly entertained, you know? Like you can watch it uh, top to bottom, you know? But it will not do anything to you. Versus, yeah. you know, there's a story that you like feel it, it sucks you in and you have to do the math, like you said, you know? You don't know all the pieces. Maybe you don't, you only understand half of it, but you are engaged because you have the sense that there is something underneath it all that's going to make sense in the end. And that's the, the total mm -hmm. opposite. And once I understood that, yeah. you know, that was a leap. It's a beautiful thing like when you finally arrive at that. That's an important leap that I think all writers, it's, it's like, it's funny. It's like a hero's journey moment. Like, you know, you didn't realize it was there all along. You just need to be uh, willing to just be totally true to yourself. And it's hard to really explain that. It's really hard to express what that means until you go through it when you, really get to a point where like i don't care what anybody thinks it's like it's almost like this is if this was the last script you could ever write what would be in that you know taking taking this into consideration like you know um having had the epiphany yourself um do you think that writing then can be taught in terms of you know making you get to this 
point where you realize the difference between, you know, what we just talked about earlier or faster, or is it something that you feel you need to discover on your own and there's really no one who can actually help you in doing that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's tough because I gotta say it's a, a little bit of both. It just depends on where you are in your career. Like for, for me, you kind of need a guide in the beginning. It's almost like if you want to get, if you want to get incredible shape and you just don't know where to begin and you join a gym, you get, you get a week of a personal trainer. Right. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think you don't have to go to a teacher. I think it really, really helps because, um, teach it to you will show you at least, least the basics, the principal expose you to the different uh, screenplays that are considered great, read a good one, read a bad one, know what they both look and mm -hmm. read like, yeah. and, uh, and, and know the know the difference, but have someone guide in the beginning, because you could do it without a teacher, but it's going to take you such more time to yeah. figure out all these pitfalls, because if you're like, okay, you Google writing books, right, you go on Amazon, want to order a book on writing, you're going to get a thousand books. I'm like, well, which one do you read? I mean, so it's, it's, you want to get pointed into a direction to start to eliminate all the static and get to the, get to the real gems that, that might uh, 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 lessen the curve. So I think there's a certain amount of teaching and the other benefit, if you're taking a writing class and, you're, and you have a teacher, you have someone who's going to read your stuff and they're going to read it and give you yeah. feedback right away, even though it might not sink in, in a semester or two or three or four, it just depends. Uh, it, at least you have someone getting that feedback because as soon as you leave the classroom and you don't have your peers and mentors and your professors still there to get someone to read your script is like the hardest thing in the world. Mm. Even, oh, yeah. even in Hollywood oh. or the, even where ho in Hollywood, it's like, it's impossible to get a script. Yeah. I mean, you've probably experienced this when I, when I'm pitching people in meetings and they're all fired up and they want this stuff and you send the script and they're like, Hey, can you send me like uh, like a pitch deck for the script, or can you yeah. send me like a PowerPoint, yeah. or can you send me a, a trailer for your script? Or oh, yeah, yeah. Then you know what? Like just reel, yeah. yeah, like a sizzle reel. Yeah. Like I've had I've had to make those. I've do all all those things. There's so many things you have to do as a writer now. You write anymore. You have to exactly. wear like five different hats. Right. So, right. Right. Yeah. so yeah, and you and you have to engage all of these things, but you still have to go back to the core principle, like you still have to be able to, to do the basics and still be able to write and hold people's attention and get people asking what happens next and get them to turn the page. So you get them past the first 10 pages and you're, then you might be onto something. Sure. Um, I forget, but yeah, so as far as being taught, but you got to take it outside the classroom and really experiment on your own and be with yourself. And that's just going to happen anyway, because you can't be in a, a student forever, even though I know people that are, Oh, yeah. students forever oh yeah okay. <laughs> um, they'll stay in you they'll stay in university as a career until they're a professor one day yeah. so uh and it just ha happens but uh yeah you got to keep learning you got to keep learning i always am reading another book about screenwriting because you just want to see how how is somebody else's 30 years of experience distilled into these 300 pages like what can what gems can i take away um, or it's just a, a reminder of a lot of principles. Yeah. And then the practical, the practical application is like so critical. Like you, you have to write, you have to write. 
and uh, and there's 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 two things that come with that with having right. Uh, one, the most important thing is a routine mm-hmm. and treating it like it's a job. Even if you're not making any money, you probably aren't going to make money in doing it for a very long time. Or if you don't you have to like treat it. it like a job. Yeah. yeah. Even when you don't feel like it. Yeah. I mean, th- you see me, I'm up early in the morning. Yeah. You think I, you think I want to write, but I can, but it, when, when the sun's still not up, but it's like, it's like, this is when it has to happen. This is my routine. And there's a, there's a great book by uh uh what is it um the war of art by uh stephen pressfield yes i know this one yeah and it's all about it's all about doing the work he says in that book all the time do the work sit down the muse will show up if you sit at the train station the train will show up right same thing with writing if you sit there uh you'll get it done and sometimes you know when we have a hiatus from writing or or dryness or or writer's block if even it or not um Whenever you just sit there, sometimes I tell myself, Evan, just write one sentence. Can you write one sentence? Can you you write one sentence? Right? Just write one sentence. It could just be free form thought, whatever. And inevitably, you write the one sentence and you start to get into a flow state just out of that. And at least you didn't let yourself down by not writing a single sentence, which we we can text somebody a million times a day, but we can't. And we'll... Right, and we'll spend the least amount of time on the thing we want to do most. Mm-hmm. So, you got to have that routine. And then, I, because I, because so direct, I actually put my work up. So whatever I write, even though it, it's like you know I do a lot of short form content for that that I get to put up or proof of concepts that I'll direct. Yeah. At least I get to see what my writing, how that translates onto screen and how I communicate with my actors based on my character's motivation. Yeah, super. Like, that's a big one. Yeah, that's, that's a super useful point there. Um, besides everything else where you said, I totally 100% agree on that. But, but this is something I want to highlight because, um, yes, I feel like the also, you know, having this epiphany that we talked about early on, this is sort of the second step. For me, it was like having written something on the page and then going out with friends and finding actors and then sort of uh, trying to translate it over to the screen and see what sticks and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. And this, this, was, this was like a huge deal for me because after that I understood, okay, whatever I'm writing down, um, some of this stuff doesn't even make sense. You know, when I'm, when I'm directing it, it, doesn't, it does not make any sense. So I need to go, go back and fix it and learn and how to speak the language that can be translated over to the screen. And, and so, yes. so, so this, is, this is like super helpful. And I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm telling this my students, um, you know, each day and every day um, is like, you know, everyone has a device uh, like this in, in their hands already, you know, a smartphone ready to go. Even, you know, some of these cameras even do 4K now. So there is, there is really no excuse for you not to get some friends and, and sort of, you know, try to shoot something on your own. Because that will really do stuff for you. And it, it will wire your brain in the way that you could actually use when you're typing stuff um, for, for others. It's uh, true. To, it's true. Yeah. No, go ahead. It's true. It's true because as so, soon as you film something, I mean... I, Part of it is like not trying to make it too fancy. Just go out and shoot something that you're not going to go to film festivals with. You're not going to win an Academy Award right. with. Just shoot it. So just experiment and then 
throw it out just like bad pages, right? Even though it takes more effort to shoot it, treat it like bad pages that'll never see the light of day because inevitably when you finally go out and film something, you're like, oh, that's expositional dialogue. That's bad. That's not entertaining. And you're, you're treating your audience like shit. So and you have to experience that. You have to know it's like, oh, I made this. I made a huge mistake. And I work on that. How can I trust myself more that the audience will understand right. and I'll be able to convey things visually instead of trying to force it. I need, like, I need them to know. It's like, no, the beauty of withholding information is, yeah. is just like, like one of the, one of the, is part of the trade. Um, so yeah, put, getting it on its legs and shooting it is, is, is a big deal. And I, my, my thesis film at USC was a, a huge award-winning film and I traveled the globe with it and it went all over the place. And it was a really successful movie. It was great, but there's scenes in there. I'm like, man, I wish I was more confident writer. I wish I had more honesty in there. I'm glad it's, you know, entertaining people. Yeah. But and I know it, I it works as a whole. Fix. It works as a whole. Yeah. But those things scream at me. They look, it's yeah. all I see is what's wrong with it. And like, this is, I'll make sure this never happens again. And, and, um, and so based on that, on that film that I made, I, um, it actually, it, it plagued me for a while. I finishing that movie. I was, I went, I, I was, uh, I was really dissatisfied with that. And I felt like I didn't get everything I wanted out of that experience. I had a, I had a, great sets i had great visual effects and production value and costume wardrobes vfx and special effects everything right um and because there was so much going on as a director i couldn't focus on my actors more and i wish i gave them more time and i time to do what a lot of directors do is spend a lot of time with their pages in the beginning of the day and start making changes so just because you write every day as a writer and if you're also writing to direct you can't interrupt your routine. You should be writing every single day. Mm. Like I write every single day now. Like I can't take a day off because if, if I do, I might, I'm, I'm terrified of not getting back into that routine again. So I, I'm very selfish about keeping that routine. Okay. And if for all of the aspiring writers out there, like be selfish. If you're going to be selfish about anything in your life, at least be selfish about your routine. Say, Everyone leave the house. I need to be left alone. Whatever you have to do. I mean, don't be a jerk about it. But you know, yeah, yeah. to say this is the thing that matters most in my life. Yeah. Because if it is, we'll treat it that way. Um, so, so that to me, there was a big failure in that movie. And for me, it was it was the dialogue writing. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I, this is stuff I used to ask you questions on yeah. early on when I started following you. It was dialogue writing and performances with my actors. Those things always haunted me. And so I, I went about writing multiple scripts. I got a, I got a, a big manager off of that home. Um, uh, and, and I was also shooting um, like behind the scenes uh, for like Harper's Bazaar magazine, Esquire magazine for cover shoots with celebrities and stuff right. to keep shooting and filming something active. It was a fun, cool job but, and it paid a little bit, but it wasn't ultimately fulfilling. It wasn't leading me to where I wanted to go. And my wife was like, focus on your career. You want to write, do that. Don't take these jobs that are taking you all these different directions you need to get focused in. I think part of it was sabotaging myself because I knew what I needed to work on. So mm. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back and get super focused. And I also want to put my work back up on the screen again. So and this is something I was posting about probably a year, year and a half ago. I started applying to um, film fellowships. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. Very similar to like a film, film school condensed 
manner where they have a bunch of mentors, industry professionals. I live in Los Angeles. So I have access to this, right? Yeah. It's very competitive. So like it's, it's, it's so it's, um, it was very hard to get, but I got into this one fellowship. I pitched three ideas. They picked one. We workshopped that. Uh, they gave me mentors. They gave me a budget that I could shoot with. Oh, which that's is a big deal. Great. Yeah. So I get these. Yeah. And, and I went, I only went into this because I could get, get a budget. I didn't have to come out of my own pocket. Got to work on this full time, be a full blown production, work with like a, like a, a pseudo production company, get the, uh, the experience of it, right. kind of playing house a little bit, but still you get the experience and you get real mentors, people who are really working and, and giving you the time. And, um, my biggest goal, even though I, they, the, the fellowship has their agenda, but for me, my agenda was I wanted to work on character development, dialogue, and work with my actors. Everything else I, I, I'll make concessions for to a certain extent, which I didn't end up really doing. But, um, uh, but I knew what my, what my goal was. So, uh, so I tied my right hand behind my back, right. and I had to get good with my left. I'm like, I can only come from a place of character and what they would say, what would really happen, how would people would behave and how can this dialogue not be expositional or if I have exposition in dialogue, how to mask it and hide it. Mm -hmm. So it's not obvious. Exactly. And it's a form, it's a yeah. form of, it's a form of entertainment. It's through action. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I ended up using all those tricks and I had an unconventional uh, way of casting. So I, um, Okay, I'm now, I, uh, now I'm curious. I, I, Unconventional cast. So I, yeah, yeah. So I, so all my other short films, I had a character. We had auditions. We brought tons of people in, and we finally like figured out who our cast was going to be. I didn't want to do that this time. I, I had a friend, recognizable actor. Uh, his name is Josh Zuckerman. He's a great guy, really talented actor. Um, he's one of those guys you've seen in a ton of stuff. So you can Google him afterwards or IMDb him. Uh, Josh is great. And I sent him my script and it was like, I, I, this is another point for, for writers, yeah. write, write parts that actors want to play, mm -hmm. write parts where they want to play where, cause it, um, my brother's good friends with the actor, John Voigt. Um, so, so, uh, and John would always say, uh, where's the fun in this role? Mm -hmm. right? If he's playing a villain or bad, good guy, bad guy, whatever you want to call it, there's no real villains. He's just misunderstood characters. But, <laughs> It's like, where's the fun in it, right? So where's the fun in the role? So what, what, how can the actors sink their teeth into this? How can they have some fun with it? So I'm like, all right, what right parts do I want to play? So this will be my test. If my friend who, who gets paid a lot of money to be an actor, yeah. if he would want to do this, then I might be in the right direction. So I had him take a look and I, I just floated it out there, no pressure. And he said, yes, he would, he would play the part. I was like, wow, okay. And I, and I said, okay, well, I don't awesome. want to do casting. You're in the best you're in the best acting class in Los Angeles. It's invite only. Um, that means the best uh, uh, vetted actors are in that class. These right. people are on the cusp of breaking out. They're on network TV shows. They're on the cusp of breaking out. They've had like a bunch of like uh, bit parts or, or um, co-star roles and now they're ready for the next level. They're right, right in that, that sweet spot, right? So I said, can you show this to anyone you think you might like to play the female lead? and um who, who was the, the it was it was a, a female driven part or film and he's like oh i got i got ideas for all the roles i'm like this is exactly what i wanted to hear so he sends me an email like an hour later 
with like casting breakdowns from everybody in his acting class. I'm like, I can't believe I like the pick of the litter here. Yeah. So this is someone my casting directors may not have even had access to and my acting friends, cause they all hang out. You know how actors are. Yeah. Um, they like to hang out, they party, they, they, they do their scene work, they're in class, they're vulnerable, they're sharing very intimate experiences together all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's like a close-knit community. Right. So you have someone validating. I don't have to say, hey, I'm Evan and I'm a great director. Yeah, exactly. Boy, Trust me, I know what I'm doing. You have some, yeah. Right? Yeah. You have someone else validating you for you. If anyone can make an introduction for you, that's, like if, we're, if I was introduced yeah. myself at a party, I'd rather say, hey, so can you introduce me exactly. to Ben? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden you're, you're validated for that person. So that ended right. up happening for the casting process. And then it became a game of musical chairs about who could, who could show up at time for this one week of filming. And you know, everyone's doing things for free or next to nothing even though we did it's just it's just the budget's gone in a second anyway so that was the uh casting experience i ended up getting a phenomenal actress galadriel steinman she she uh we just showed the movie in india we won uh we won best film we won best actress and she's just great she showed it to her agents and managers and says this is the best work you've ever done right. um which is great because i mean, and, and part of that was really pushing myself to work with actors uh, writing the roles, coming from a real place of character, understanding the motivation of this character, where they're coming from. Excellent. So when it's that time to actually talk to your actor, you can answer everything and you can actually guide them and also give them a chance to bring something to the role, exactly. which, which yeah. all my actors did. Yes, yes. I was, I was gonna say, don't want to be yeah. too over. It's, it's still a collaborative art and it's a yeah, right. breathing thing. It's you got to be able to be in the eye of storm with them and see what they come up with because you, you'll always be surprised. Yeah. You'll always be, and that's, it's part of the fun of filmmaking. It's also terrifying, uh, but it's great. Let's talk about, you know, um, the, the actors and uh, it's, I, I specifically want to know, like, um, what was it that um, you weren't satisfied with in terms of working with the actors? What do you think was missing um, that that made you feel like okay, you needed to work on that more? You know, since so I had that that uh, production VFX heavy film, so you're just as a director you're being pulled every single direction, and it's and you realize oh, I only have time. According to my producers and my AD, you have you can make retakes of this. Otherwise, mm-hmm. okay. you're not going to be able to finish your film, right? We had some yeah. particular problems with that movie. Uh, it was supposed to be a six-day shoot. We had production design issues, and we had to fix it because it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, a like a bottle ship type movie where everything takes place in one set in one location. Mm-hmm. We built a spaceship from scratch, 55 feet long, and you see every everything in almost all the shots so we have to finish the whole thing we can't just work right. on it as we go so it is shut down production for two days to finish the spaceship and make it to spec so that put constraints on everything including my ability to work with the actors so um which is unfortunate because that as a job you're not if you have one job as a director it's to get yeah. the best performance as possible if you have exactly. one job that's it i don't care what anybody tells you it's all about you and the actor getting the performance that's it um so uh, I just, I, w- I wish I had more takes. I wish I had time to explore more things. It was a little, it was, so it was a little on the rigid side because I couldn't say, oh, let's try it this way. Is there something you want to try? Is there something you want to do? I couldn't uh, experiment quite as much or feel our way through the 
scene or okay. uh it's it's some like so some beats felt a little forced to me the director to catch that in the moment until we get it right and yeah. a lot of times we'll say okay well we have to turn it around we have to get coverage we'll get it covered there in, in the other angles and it's like you just you can't bank on that because you just don't know if you're gonna have a blown shot or the pacing's wrong and now two of your takes are blown now you have to get it in one take and that's a lot of pressure to put on your actors on the yeah. crew on yourself and on, on, on yourself the exactly yeah on yeah. yourself yeah yeah, so it's 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 quite a, a pressure-filled situation. It's uh, making movies. A, a, a train leaves the station, and it just you cannot stop it until it gets to its destination. Yeah. So whatever okay. chaos happens on that train, it's like a snow piercer sort of situation. So you just gotta you gotta figure it out, man. So and that's it. Uh, uh, so it's. Uh, learned a lot i learned a lot and i learned you know you really have to respect uh how precious it is to work with those actors it's really really hard and you know both on um, both movies on that that big thesis film and the last one i just did yeah uh, that's also in the festival circuit we won a bunch of awards for that. it's been great um yeah uh, congratulations times i had i had when you have good when you have better thank you when you have better actors uh they tend to go out for auditions a lot and sometimes they're getting callbacks and it's while you're filming and yeah. that happened both times and it's like what are you going to say oh you know you're oh you're committed you can't go on this you can't well you're they're working for free on my movie exactly yes and and yeah. so it's like and the, the other thing is i want them to be successful and i want them to know they have a director that supports them and really appreciates their craft yeah. so i say you know what me and the ad's are going to bend over backwards and make sure you get what you need that you get the, get to your audition. You know what? My producer's going to drive you and drop you off so you don't even have to stress about L.A. traffic and parking and finding the audition room. You can sit in the back seat, go over your lines, and be focused. And now you're going in an even better situation. And who's coming back super happy at set? My cast. Because yes. they're already auditioning for, they're auditioning for a part, and they already have a job that's a good place to be. And you want to keep – if I told – them know and was a total jerk about it and you have an angry or resentful person or a depressed actor and you got to get them to you know pretend they're in outer space going through like some joyful moment i don't know whatever but yeah, yeah. it's uh it's you gotta they're special they're, they're these they're unicorns with these beautiful wild animals that you also don't want to stab you with their horns so it's uh, it's, uh, it's, it's yeah. quite a balance i i, I love it so it's terrifying and it's also wonderful so question for you, like if you, um, from, from uh, your latest movie and the one you did before as your thesis, um, what do you think changed the most um, in your writing? Like you were, you were focusing, like you said, you were focusing on character more. Um, was there, was there, oh, and, and dialogue um, for sure. And was there some kind of, of epiphany that you had during, you know, sort of these, these um, two films? um that you can share maybe with us yeah um there was one thing that i really wanted to try uh was just having these really focused on what does that the what happens next uh feeling i want to elicit from the reader from people i have to pitch the project to to what people are seeing on screen yeah. so um 
And if people ever want to see this, I can just, they can just DM me and I'll send it or I can give you links to it and you can circulate whatever you want to do. Uh, but I, I, I wanted to say, get people to ask what happens next, what happens next. So that was part of where I had to force my characters. So to get what happens next, I, I had to focus on, okay, all right, what's going with my characters? What are they bringing into the scene? I don't have to spell out what happened before this, but we have right. to understand that these people are being tested and through this test, they might have totally different approaches how to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. And your best option for your character is the lesser of two evils. Um, so every moment should be a crisis moment. And if you leave it hanging in when right. you're gonna cut away to another scene or another moment and you don't often satisfy it, you can you can elicit yes, the scene, what happens yes. next feeling. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I had a I had quite I had a special task. So I have this doctor's office scene and the woman's going for a, a checkup because she's in and the doctor is coming in and out of the room and I'm like, oh wow, I have a particular challenge here. How can I set up cliffhangers throughout this scene where I'm staying in the room with these characters? So I have this husband mm -hmm. and wife presented with a problem they have two ways of going about it but they can't talk about it in front of the doctor otherwise they'll get into some type of trouble or it'll expose their hand right they want to keep the cards close to their chest right so every time the doctor they're presented with how they go about it and they're getting upset and the doctor will come in the room so they can't finish their conversation so they're still ticked off at each other and we can't satisfy that and the doctor comes in and we'll have to step out and presents them with another issue so i was like oh as long as I keep hanging these questions that I can't pay off yet, I'm trying mm -hmm. to stretch this tension and tease it out for as long as possible until it reaches a breaking point. And great examples of that, I mean, I'm nowhere near this, but Tarantino master of that. And I really, it's amazing what he did in Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, the absolutely. Opening scene. Yeah, the opening that scene. Opening scene yeah. That opening scene, the fact that that can be 17 minutes and you're just like, I just sat down in the theater and I, yeah. now I'm stressed out at the end of these 17 minutes. You feel that the scene's long, but you're yeah. still engaged. It's Absolutely. really just, a, it's, it's an amazing feat. Yeah. Uh, Well-deserved Oscar for that screenplay. Um, and, and the same thing with the scene in the bar, in the underground bar, when they're playing the card game on their head. Like mm -hmm. that's another long scene and, and the tension and the SS guards and everything. It's just like, this is like masterful writing. Like how can you be within a scene and find a way to keep stretching that rubber band? And that's how Tarantino describes that in an interview. So these are some things I wanted to try. And it gives, it's just a fertile playground for your actors. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, I could play this. They find different ways to play or, new, new, or other nuances. And it's, yeah. especially when you're in the scene, when you're in the scene live on the day, uh, and we've gone through rehearsals, there might be something that goes off. They want to try something new. I want to encourage that or something clicks for me. Yeah. And I, I, I also want it to be a shared idea. So I'll, I'll present in forms of questions for them to see if this is something, Hey, is this something we both want to try? And inevitably, yeah, actors want to try things. So as mm -hmm. long as there's a logical character progression, um, yeah. uh, you can get there. And what helped me with that, that this is, this is a big one and the fear I had to overcome. I okay. I love being behind the camera. I don't like what you and me are doing right now. This yeah. is a big fear for me, right? So I do not like being in front of the camera. There's not a lot of pictures of me in family photos. So uh, uh, 
So for me, I, I never, ever wanted to be an actor. It's like, I don't want to act. I, right. What they're doing is uh, mind-blowing to me. Yeah, it is. It right. is. So, <laughs> so, for, so in the fellowship I was in, they have this uh, actor session for the directors. And I took acting classes at USC, and they were terrifying. Yeah. And I got through it. But acting class I had to take, I had to do a monologue. And I had to memorize a whole mon like this monologue from oh, I forget it's like something maybe Dostoevsky or something that was complicated. All right, okay. complicated that's, language. That's and I was just task. like, wow. yeah, I was like, I really bit off more than I could chew, and I had to put it up in front of all the other directors. And I'm like, right, right. I've I've zero comments. I'm gonna be judged. But I was like, I really want to be good at this. And what it really did for me was really made me appreciate what the actors go through. And really, had I had to consider every single line of dialogue yeah. for that for that character. Absolutely. And I was going through yeah. every single line. I was like, "What is the intention?" But this guy had to rewrite this line so many times, and he was only left in a room with his thoughts. And he probably did this to death, to a, le a level of sitting with yourself that that people rarely experience these days. So I was like, "Okay, every line matters." What mm -hmm. is behind every single line here? Yeah, and and Why is it to commit set? something yeah. to mem, yeah, and to commit it to memory, uh, and to and to really under you have to understand the character, what's behind every single line, and the subtext behind it, what you're not saying, uh, yeah. and then to perform it on top of it all. It's like wow, okay, now I understand what they're going through. Yeah. Now, what can I do as a writer and a director to to, to give them what they need? My actors, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. to give them what they need. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And then, it, and then it just informs your writing. And those those lessons just they they stay with you and they sting you. It's like, yeah, it's uh, it's almost like a traumatic experience. That is, it was kind of good for you. It's like, oh well, I know not to touch the stove again, but in like a good way. So yeah. it's like it stays with you. So those things I remember, I remember forcing myself to go outside my comfort zone, and that's something we oh, yeah. should always be looking to do. Yeah. Exactly, and there's 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 a big one. There's a big one you're touching on right now, and I feel like um, you also, especially for directors, um, but it but it also helps for if you if you're a writer, and if you don't want to be in front of the camera, it's totally fine. No one, you know, not all of us need to do yeah. um, everything, uh, which is totally fine. But but it, what what it does it it will help you. Um, understand certain tasks that needs to be pulled off by by a director mm -hmm. and also by an actor. And and one time yeah. that I learned a hell of a lot was when I was I was on the set as an as an actor first, and then um, someone needed me to say a couple of more lines um, because I was cheap, you know. And, and yeah. they said, okay, you you here, you know, you you want to play a bigger part. And I, th and I said, yeah, okay, why not? Um, I, I was up for the challenge. But then I realized, okay, how important it is, and that is more like um, towards directors, then I, then I understood how important it is to talk to your actors so that they know what mm -hmm. actually is going on, you know? Because it, it might really um, be different. Like you have, a, you have an idea, like you're going to play the scene and you have an idea of this scene and what's it going to be. But it is it the same thing as the director has, yeah? But if the director doesn't talk to you uh, much, you know, you're not going to figure it out. So what ends up happening yeah. is that you're, you're playing something that you think the scene is about, you know, and you, you're doing your best. But on the other hand, you know, the director doesn't, doesn't understand what's going on. 
and he says like he's what what are you doing you know and instead of helping you out and helping you guide through the way or having a conversation with you uh, you know uh, you need to um get the actor on board and then involve mm -hmm. him or her in the process of making it because that is that will also help you as a director uh, make it make it easy on you you know and also it's much more appreciative of what you know actors can bring to the table and then you form this wonderful team and then you're good to go but if you if you don't talk to them enough then they will i mean everyone comes up with stuff if they don't know what to do you know everyone does yeah. but is it is it helping you in any ways to do your movie maybe not maybe not so that's yeah that's and and different directors have different processes so for me Like I knew that I need to get comfortable and I need to be able to communicate to my actors as a team and I need to be able to say whatever I want to say. And, and maybe I'm not like someone who will just be super direct, just show up and get in your face and just say what, what I need you to do and what this is about. Like, just go out, this is what we're going for. Or maybe you get nothing. Some directors don't say anything. But for me, it's like, yeah. I want to be able to get into it with you and I can't just show up to set and not have had any conversation. So for me, I like to run my sets as a family environment. I'm big on family. I love my family. I'm close to my mother, my brothers, my wife, and her in-laws, everything. I'm big on family. I like to work with family, and I like to treat non-family members as family. So we're on set. I want to be able to communicate with everybody and speak my mind and bring everyone into the fold and work to, and, and just hit the ground running. Because if you're all on the same page and everyone has a stick in this, like I care about Evan. I care about Ben. I don't want to mm -hmm. let Evan and Ben down. Let's help. Let's find a way to help and support each other because we want to yeah, get right. all the ships in the harbor. We need to rise with the tide, right? So, you just got to do what you got to do. Get on the same page, and I, I find for me that's beneficial, and it sets me at ease. There's enough things to worry about. There's a lot of unknown things that are going to go wrong on set. Things always go wrong on set. There's no oh, way yeah, to get around it. You just yeah. you don't know what it's going to yeah. be. You just got to be you got to be ready with everything else. The, the director's job is really to prepare, and you got to be prepared. So when those those uh balls come at you you can hit it um and it's just it goes with every single department i mean i i yeah communicating being on the same same team same page and again it all goes back to i remember what really uh, solidified the team is everybody read the script everyone loved the script they all said i'm not working on this short film to get rich i'm working on the short film because i believe in evan or i believe in the yeah. script or i believe in both There were people who worked on who worked on one of the, one of those movies with me, thought they were going to get rich on a short film or something. I don't know what was going on in their heads. They really? wanted to like get a higher. They want to get a higher rate. They want to get paid more money. I'm like, I why I I can't I can't do this. I have to fire you. Yeah. I have to, on that on that thesis, film, I had to fire like almost a dozen people. That that sucked. I yeah. did not I did not see that coming. That you're actually running a business. That had about uh, 150 people that worked on that project from right. from pre-production to to uh, screening. There were yeah. a lot of people in between. So, you know, when when you have that volume of people, yeah, there's going to be some bad eggs in there, and you're going to have to fire people, and it's it's not fun. Your producers can only do so much covering for the director, so you could focus. That you're going to have you have to get involved. You have to do the dirty work. So it's okay. Uh, it's just it comes with the territory. Uh, but it, ultimately, it's it. it it's it's going against your instincts and hiring someone you know you probably have hired in the first place but you're so mm -hmm. desperate that you've said okay i'll pay this person because i need that role filled so we can get to the next step and it's like 
should have trusted my gut. I got a bad feeling exactly. from that person from the start. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you got to trust yeah. your, and yeah. you know, you know, and same thing with scripts. I, I, and you, maybe yeah. you've done this. I've, def, I've definitely done this with a script where I sent it to someone to read. And I know there's some scenes that are exactly. not the best they could be. And I'm, yeah. and I'm trying to sneak some, some garbage under the door and maybe mm -hmm. they won't smell it. Yeah. And that's not what you want. You want to go in saying, I don't know what else to do with this. I think this is a really good script. Yes. But yes. there's been so many times so I've tried, I tried to sneak it in past someone's radar. Sometimes they catch it. Sometimes they don't. And if they don't catch it, then I'm like, well, how can I work with somebody who can't pick up on the basics? Exactly. So it's like, who doesn't, who doesn't find like this? Yeah. There's not yeah, so. no bullshit detector. Yeah, but but the thing is, right. you know, I, I keep I keep preaching this um, over and over again, and and it's so beautiful that you said it because I think that's that's so true. Um, you you yourself deep down, you know if it's gold, or if it's not, you just know, mm -hmm. you know. And sometimes you go against everything that you know, um, and then. It, you 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 put stuff out that it's not really ready to ship, and that's mm -hmm. that's also that's that's a huge mistake a lot of a lot of people do, uh, you know hoping hoping you know yeah, it will slip through um, somehow you know under the radar, um, but what good is it doing you anyway? Because at the end of the day, you know even if it slips through, um, there is going to be a day when someone realizes what's going on. But then you need deep in that trouble, you know, already. Then you're yeah. in development or whatever, and people are talking to you and saying like, okay, this is definitely not working. And then to fix stuff like that, where you already know it's not working and you have people sitting in front of you telling you, dude, this is not going to fly with us. That's a, that's a bad situation. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because what, and I know writer friends that this has happened to if you if you sneak it in and you didn't fix it and they said yes to it and then they want to fix it now they're fixing your movie if you're not going to write exactly. your movie someone's going to write it for you and you're not going to yes. like it yeah and i've seen writers blow themselves up with ego and totally get a deal just just shot to pieces and then they haven't recovered because you don't know when your big opportunity is going to come and if someone says yes and they want to produce your script to get a script produced i mean it's like is the rarest thing it's one thing yeah. to get options, but to get it produced and then to blow yourself up is just, it's like the most unreal thing. And I've watched someone completely do that. Um, and if you got to fix your scenes, you got it, you know, better your conscience, your God voice, your mm -hmm. instinct, whatever you want to mm -hmm. call it. Yeah. It's yeah. in yeah. you. You need to listen to it. You can't deny it. It's in you. You know, right from wrong. We all know right from wrong. Right. Yeah. So we know if something's you're trying to sneak something in, it's only going to haunt you later because you, it's, if you want it to be your version, you got to get it there first. And that comes back to what we were talking about earlier with uh, just being truthful. It starts with yourself. It's right. really just being honest. Like, am I, do I need to be validated? Am I, am I saying this to someone because I need someone to tell me it's good or I'm right. on the right path or I'm so proud of you or whatever it yeah. is that you think you need to keep going. You don't need affirmation. It. None of that stuff's yeah. going to help you. There's a, there's a line from, uh, whiplash right jk simmons says like the most dangerous words in the human language are good job right you don't want yes. that from somebody because it, it'll get you to take your foot off the gas and you need to keep your momentum going and one right. thing i find i don't know if, if, if this happens to you but when i'm working on a project i'm really excited about mm -hmm. 
I, it takes a lot of self-control for me not to tell everybody I know about it because if I keep it to myself and I keep that energy with me, I'm not mm -hmm. like letting off steam and gas and losing that momentum by sharing it and putting that on other people. Cause then people are automatically all critics. We can't help it. It's the culture we live in, yeah. whether we yeah. like a movie or that or whatever, they're going to get, start giving you feedback and that's going to derail whatever cryptic path you're on with all your writing notes and documents. So yeah, like yeah. I tend to like yeah. keep it to myself and get it right there first. And once this thing is fully formed, and I, I know it and I trust it. I'm confident and I can get someone on board with me that I can pitch something. that's an idea that's so simple that someone can go tell 10 people and not screw up the pitch. Like then you got something special. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful thing that you said, uh, what, what you said, like, okay, you got to get it right first. Um, and I think a lot of times we are tempted to, to go out and share it with the world um, because it, you know, for whatever reasons, you know, it might just be affirmation um, or um, we might get, we want to get feedback, but if it's too early, it can ruin the whole thing. And also if it's too late, it can ruin the whole thing. So it's, it's like really, it's dancing around this a lot. Um, but I think um, the way you said it, it's, it's, um, it's really something that you can, you can practice and you probably need to practice that is to be okay with it when it stays with you for longer you know just let it evolve within you and, and don't seek this affirmation or whatever you know petting someone's petting you on the back and say okay you're on the right track whatever no once you understand that you are the the master in all of this you know and it's up to you to make it work or you know to not make it work then I think that there's, that then the, there's a huge shift towards something that mm -hmm. is actually coming from you. Like, you know, we can talk about voice here for a second, you know, because I think it's, it's mm -hmm. segueing into that a lot. Like, what is your actual yeah. voice going to be as a writer, as a director, and um, as a person who's both? What do you, thi what do you think uh, makes, makes voice? Or how did you find your voice? Yeah, so uh, segueing the voice, I think it's that just all of a sudden just comes through once you have all these other uh, things established, like trusting yourself, having a routine, not not caring what other people are going to say or how they're going to influence you, just keeping it to yourself. I mean, your voice will come through. Your voice is all is also a synthesis of what your influences have been. So, I mean, this is something that. Like if, if you, if you love reading Tarantino and Dan Gilroy and, uh, and you read too, and you love reading, uh, uh, I don't know, PT Anderson or something. Mm -hmm. Like if, if you love, if you love those writers and you're reading all of them, they're, they're, they're going to kind of pepper in and those are some of the things you're going to borrow from and they're going to find your way into your script. And eventually you're, you're not writing like any one of them. You you synthesizing all of that will be your own unique approach. And then your your voice is in there as well. And it'll take over. I think once once you're not so concerned with having like, oh, I'm gonna have this amazing prose and it's gonna be so beautiful and this and that. <laughs> prose is important, don't get me wrong, but people can like bog down a read and be a terrible experience and your voice will really cut through in the brevity. Like 
take the time to say less. And I think if, mm -hmm. the more you work on that, your, your voice will come, your voice will come through because you'll be getting yeah. to the heart of your movie. You won't let these down. It's like, what do you really, what are the things you need to really emphasize and paint? Like if you read a Woody Allen script, yeah. I mean, he's got, it's like his slug line and then like one or two sentences of prose Rinses. and it's like all dialogue, yeah. right? Dialogue, exactly. And that's it's it. Like and dialogue territory, yeah. Right, it's like, it's, in, it's, his voice comes through the dialogue, you, you can pick up his like neuroses and, and all of that, you can see himself in his characters. Um, but your voice is like, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's one of those amorphous things, it's really hard to grasp voice. It's like, yeah. you, it's almost like it's just what's your what's your style? What's your style of writing? I mean, what kind of helped me with that? Um, I wouldn't say I have a particular particular voice um, that I can say is like iconic because yeah. like few writers can actually do that. But there's um, there's a book called The Elements of Style. It's a really short book, and it's really just um, like the basics of writing, right? It's like mm -hmm. how to write how to write clean terse prose so you get to the point and you keep it in uh your prose active so it's uh having your active prose just gets you to read it faster and just emphasize what needs to emphasize don't get into too flowery language i mean maybe this is just my style my voice but your voice is also what do you have to say like what's what's your story about and how do you go about it what's your what's your what's your approach so I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of rambling about it. Yeah, no, 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 it's fine. No, 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 you're not. You're not. I, I would ask you, uh, I was asking you about, you know, what is your voice and what do you think it is? And, and it's exactly what you sort of um, laid out. So that's that's totally fine. Um, by the way, have you ever written? Uh, no, no, not written. Have you ever read um, a script by Damon Lindelof? Um, the one who did Lost and uh, The Watchmen. Yeah, I was reading, and, um, I think it was The Leftovers. I read The Pilot. Leftovers, yeah. I yeah. yeah, I think you I think you posted it on your website or something. So I downloaded all of them yeah. and read through them all. Um, yeah. I, I don't specifically remember it, but I remember reading The Leftover Pilot. But what do you want to say about it? Um, because it's it, like he has a very unique style um, in, in terms of and, and I would say like, OK, this is also going to be his voice. You know, the, the, the way he goes about describing a scene and getting you engaged in the action in the scene is very, very unique. Um, and, and the way he talks on the page feels like he's actually talking to you as the viewer. And that's something that I have not written, uh, read before. And it really took me by surprise. Um, but it was a positive surprise. Like, because it's, it's like he sort of also, if you look at the page, the way he treats page and spaces in the page and breaks and whatnot um, is, is very unique because you have the feeling like, okay, this is just cuts in the movie, you know? Like he's walking yeah. through every scene um, by all by using just the shots, he's just aligning shots after shot, and this is this is really uh, unique. Um, one of the yeah. most I mean, unique you, things that I've seen in that regard. It's it's interesting because you know voice when you read it, you see yes. it. It's like undeniable. Right. It's on the page. Like uh, I don't know, have you read the Training Day script? Uh, yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that I mean, I I I read Training Day, and it's like one of the most aggressive. 
scripts you could read. Like when you're reading it coming at you and you're just like, yeah. wow, this, this guy's personality and attitude is in your face and it's in the writing. And it's like, it's amazing how that can, that aggressive tone can be conveyed absolutely um, in the writing yeah. i mean there's there's just certain writers that's just have it. i mean one of my favorite scripts in the last few years was uh was nightcrawler by dan gilman mm -hmm. and because i i mean because i was reading all the academy nominated scripts and i got to that one and that's after reading birdman and grand budapest hotel which are two amazing scripts and i got to yeah. nightcrawler i'm like that was something unique and different and talk about pages just flying by i mean and to just throw all the principles of screenwriting or the standards, I should say, of screenwriting, go completely out the window in full service of what's your reading experience going to be like? How can you move through this like, like, like the main character? Your script has to read like, what's the, what, who's your main character? And how is your script the main character? How does it read yeah. and, and, uh, and move, through, move through its pages? Um, it's interesting how it's like that. Same thing with, uh, because I... As I mentioned, on Birdman's the same. How mm -hmm. how cha how chaotic and how out of control uh, 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 Michael Keaton's character's uh, life is yeah. is, can, is really it feels you feel in the page even how it doesn't even let up the pressure of him putting on that play because every there's an ellipsis between every slug line that mm -hmm. is always bringing everything together. You're just like. This is moving and I can't breathe. And what's particular, if there's any writer directors that are watching this, what's particularly cool about that script is the direction that Inuritu put into, um, the, uh, into the dialogue and the little parentheses uh, mm -hmm. before lines. He's putting his little director notes in there. And someone who wins best director and you see how he's already steering his actors ahead of time, what direction we're going in. It's yeah. like, Wow, he did it in a really way where an actor could get this and not necessarily put a red line through it, but they'll try it out, and it, you'll probably come to the conclusion that this was the best version of itself. Uh, uh, and Grand Budapest Hotel did that a little bit too, uh, but it was particularly masterful in the Birdman. I'll check that one out. Okay, so um, a couple of uh, questions before we wrap it up. Um, sure. So, looking back. Um, at your journey, do you feel like um, it was it was the way to go about it? With, are you are you happy with you know going to USC? Do you think that is that was a necessary step for you to take? Um, would you recommend doing it for others, or is there some you know some doubts that you have, or some you know just share your pros and cons maybe on on this topic of you know film school? And going to film school yeah it's uh it's it's a complicated question because i feel like the jury's still out i have uh, i have really truly bittersweet feelings about film school because it's so expensive to go to film school yeah and the industry's changing the industry's changing so much much and so fast time yeah rapidly yeah. it's so it's it's so, it changes so rapidly that the information that you're getting from your professors could be one to five years old or older so how valuable is that to you in an expensive education right yeah um but but for me and where i in my life since i've been i have been at a job where i work 24 7 i was on call for the better part of three years and 
because of that, I had no time to myself to work. And I knew film school would be the space I could enter into. Mm -hmm. I could just make as much as I want to make up for lost time, fast track myself to getting all the information I wanted. And, um, but that's not some magic bullet to success. This doesn't mean you're just going to like graduate film. I was lucky. I got a manager, got a bunch of work right out of film school, but you know, that I still didn't have all the answers and I hadn't, had the routines in place, dedication as a writer to get to where I wanted to be uh, and have the career I wanted at that point. So it's not, it's not a cure-all going to film school and you kind of have to right. know that. So I think it's tough. It's like you have people like you out there and other great resources, aside from great books and literature, you can read that have just been these these just mountains that have survived all of screenwriting. Oh, yeah. um, you have, you have great podcasts. There's so many podcasts about screenwriting. There's one that's particularly right. good that I liked that I listened to was the, the Q and a or our creative screenwriting magazine with Jeff Goldsmith. Oh yes. Goldsmith. He, yes. Yeah. Well, cause he asks writers really good questions. And that's if you're it. a writer and you're, and you're new and you don't know what your routine or process should look like, he asks them, everyone their routine and what their process is so for me on the early in the beginning i was in film school no one taught me process so i was listening to all these other right all these painters and their processes and i would try theirs i would try every single writer whoever on i'm like oh let me let me do what the cohen brothers are doing let me try what this other writer is doing let me try what this guy's doing these people like now I'm, i'm married with kids so it's like, okay, I'm listening to writers who are married with kids and how do they balance that? And it's like, oh, wow. All they did was get insanely efficient and there's no wasted time in their schedule because you got a family. You can't, you can't and afford it. Yeah. <laughs> you can't afford it. Actually, a lot yeah. of writers ended up getting even better because of having a family and kids. They, I, their careers all of a sudden got that super is, laser focused. That is a fact. That is a fact. It's the same. Yeah, it's That's super true. It's, yeah, it's super That's right. true. Kids are great. Instagram family yes. gets you where you need to go. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. They they structure your day like nothing else will, like nothing else oh, will. Yeah. They, but in, but in a good kids, way. There's no. But in a good way. It, it's great. It's a really. It's it's the in the best possible way. They're yeah. little drill sergeants. You can't negotiate. You can't negotiate with a child. So it's like all right. Where that's why with my routine, it's like insane. That's so yeah. early, but. It's like a time for me. It's a time machine. I'm go back in my in my early 20s because in those early hours in the morning, I can be doing all the things I want to do. I just happen to choose to work in all the areas of my life that I want to improve. Um, but f- as far as film school goes, you really got to weigh all the pros and cons. It depends on where where you're at in your life, what you need, the type of structure, how much you need to learn. I had already had in industry experience, but I yeah, had I was gonna completely. Say, yeah. I completely neglected myself in service of others and making other people's projects. So now it was final, finally, it was going to be about me in a focused way. And I got to appreciate that, that free, that time, yeah. not having any time. Then all of a sudden I had it and I made, I made the most of it. And then I made, you know, a legendary thesis on USC. So, uh, but film school is really expensive. Do you want to like that? I have, I'm up to debt in my eyeballs. I don't want to say the number because mm. it's embarrassing. I have a yeah. lot of student loan debt, and it's terrifying. And me and my other student friends that all went to USC together, we all laugh at it. We're like, I don't know. It's like, what are they going to come and knock on my door and or say I need this much money? I'm like, okay, that's hilarious. I don't know where I'm going to come up with that. 
unless I hit big. And that's the plan. Yeah. It's like you go to USC and you want to have a, a big success. So you can have your payday to pay off your student loans and then you start right. from scratch. Um, but then, and that, and there's the age old argument. Oh, well, why go to the film school? You got a loan for that amount of money and just go make your first feature. Mm. Problem yeah, with that film, yeah. is that the problem with that is like, well, if you could find a bank who's going to give you a loan because you're going to make your first feature and you got this big plan to make all this money, I, it, that just tells me you don't know anything about the indie world and how, how it starts. How it actually works. <laughs> with yes. Making money. Yeah. So yeah. that's not how it works. So there's, there's, there's a whole energy to making money off of, off of the indie world. And that's a whole other conversation and there's a way to do it. But yeah, yeah it's, it's, you got to look at where you are in your life, weigh the pros and cons. If it's smart, for you it's and it's a big risk it's a big risk going to film school you could work a job and teach yourself teach yourself all these things i learned in film school and not have mentors but teach it to yourself and maybe get a mentor here and there and it might take you yeah. 10 years but you go to film school you could learn it in three or four years so you take out a big chunk of time and and learning and trying to hunt down mentors so there's 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 pros and cons so far um like i said it's bittersweet I have great friendships that came out of there. People I still work with to this day. Yeah, like uh, wonderful. This girl, uh, like my editor, Josie Azam. She's super talented. She works in features all the time. We still work together. My composer, Gareth uh, Coker, he works for like Microsoft and scores like the biggest video games. And he's super talented and he still scores my movies and and like other crew members and my DPs. And, and it's just, it's cool that I I I got a really great quality network of of people and and uh faculty could still go, still go back to and bounce ideas off of and people could who could um still advise you i mean mm -hmm. we talk about usc as being the usc mafia that's what they call it true like <laughs> you can go in there as an alumni and be like hey i need help with this can you put me in touch with somebody and they want you to be successful they want your name on the wall saying so and so absolutely went to yeah school. it they comes back to them yeah. yeah yeah so that so that's great and um <laughs> Uh, so there's a lot of pros that come from it, but it's got to be the right fit. It's got to be the right fit. So for me, the jury's still out because I have taught, I'm, I've, I've taught myself, I've learned and I've grow, grown so much since film school. I've learned a lot since then. Um, yeah. So it's, I'm, pr I'm pretty 50-50 on it. I can't really someone, oh, you got to go to film school. That's yeah. me. I, I would say if you want to go to like, let's say UCLA's writing program, you want to be hyper specific <laughs> about writing. Well, if you go to UCLA, you're going to go for two years. You're going to come out with three screenplays and they're all going to be read by multiple faculty there. And they all want you to win too. Cause they, they want your name on their wall. Yeah. Say this person went to this school. So a lot of successful writers in LA have gone to UCLA because yeah. it's so hype. It's so hyper-focused and they're piling on. They want you to win. And there's 10 people in that classroom. So you're getting a lot of attention compared to like some right. other classrooms where you might have like 30 writing students. Can you imagine reading 30 feature length screenplays? It's like, that's, that's in a semester. Nope. There's no way that no quality can come from that volume. of numbers. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And giving feedback yeah. on 30 uh, plus uh, screenplays, that's not, that's near to impossible. Um, and what yeah. I've also found is like doing these fellowships, you know, the one thing I would say, maybe I didn't need to go to film school is because I didn't know about uh, film, film fellowships like mm -hmm. CBS, Warner Brothers, other independent ones that are like hyper specific. Like there was like uh, uh, the, the, the two fellowships I did, the Moving Picture Institute, like I and, and, uh, and this other one, uh, 
you know, it's on their dime and they're taking you to professional facilities and they're paying for you to be there and you don't have to pay anything. So yeah. instead of sinking money into film school, I really recommend people to explore fellowships, like find ones Wonderful. that are maybe specific or, or when is going on at the moment, like, oh, some cinema, like, oh, women in film, like you could find those, like there are dime yeah. dozen in LA right now. Yeah. Everything's yeah. about yeah. that right now. So like, if you're a woman, or if you fall into some diversity category, like this is the time. There's no, no excuses. There's no excuses. So everyone has a chance right now, especially film fellowships. That's that's a great um, alternative film school. I really recommend that. Even if it's a bad fellowship, it's still on someone else's dime. You don't have to pay for it, and you should take a yeah. ton of great experience away from it. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Um, wonderful inside i think it will it will help immensely um to sort it out for some people out there um that's just um that, that's that's so awesome and i think at the end of the day what it really comes down to is if you're if you're really specific about what you want um you will you will figure it out or it's easier for you to figure it out what you really need in order to get um to to where you want the fastest possible way. Um, and for you, it was clearly the way I see it was, you, you know, you've been working like 24 seven already in the industry, but you, but you understood, okay, this is, this is not for me. So that's, that's not the path that I really want to end up on. So I needed to, you know, come to census and I need a break and I need to get to where I actually want to be. So that was, you know, for you, it was hitting the break and having sort of, in excuse in a way to do so, you know, because it gave you the space to experiment and to really find what you were, what you were looking for at the time, what you were looking for. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and that is, that's, that's also, you know, that's, I, I would say like, you know, this question cannot be answered, you know, like not in, not in the style that it, it's, it's for everyone. So, so the thing is that you need to figure it out yourself. Is it something that, you know, helps you in any way, then it is going to be the best option that you have. If it's, if yeah. you feel, if you're already feeling that it's probably not doing you or doing you any good or getting to uh, where you want to go the fastest way, then go another route. But it's, it's yeah. not like, you know, you know, we, we, we are saying you should go or you shouldn't go. That's, that's not really what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah, you gotta weigh your options. And if you go, I mean, I knew people that dropped out after the first semester. They're like, this is not yeah. what I thought it would be. This isn't for me. I don't, right. it made, it's not going the direction they wanted. Or that, I mean, you, There's so many people that realize they don't wanna be a director, terrified of actors. They thought being a DP was being a director. There's a lot of stuff right. that you might not yeah. know when you get there and it's like, you, there's a huge course correction, so. You know, getting uncomfortable Ooh. is super important about you know, yeah. your, your growth and the direction you want to go. But I think you bring up a really excellent point of being really specific and taking specific action and having a plan. So it's like if, if like you're writing something, it's like, well, what are you going to do with that afterwards? And what's your plan going to be? Yeah. Yeah. And don't you don't necessarily have to wait until you're done. Like if you haven't talked to somebody in three years and they're part of that plan, start talking to them. Don't right. send the email right when you want something. Just yeah. check in. Just let them know, hey, I've been thinking about you. How are you doing? What's up? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And someone's yeah. being flattered. Wow, you thought yeah. of me. That's cool. Yeah. I feel like I could be a better person if I thought of you. So, you know, 
little things like that that can really start uh, priming the pump for what's next and making specific moves. Um, mm -hmm. And you don't have to have it all figured out. One of the, one of the things is that, uh, uh, is that people can be too precious with their scripts and try to make it too perfect. And you need to, there'll never be a perfect situation and you don't need anybody's permission. Like you, you just need to take action. You need to take yes. action. You need to do it every, you need to do it every yeah. single day. Yeah. I, I woke up, I started a couple months ago. I started waking up at three 30 in the morning to start my routine because I said this, if I don't dictate how this day is going to be, the day is going to dictate yeah. it to me. So, exactly. so I need to take action. I need to take, to take control. And now I, you know, and now it's like you, you take that and then say, okay, where are my other opportunities to write? Now I write multiple times a day because you know how it is. You can't just write, oh, I wrote eight hours straight. Nobody does that. No. I mean, if they, no. if they do, good for you. You have transcended humanity. <laughs> <laughs> that's next level shit. Yeah, that's next level shit. Right? There you go. With my program, you can write eight hours a day. No, we're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we're not there. But, uh, Scam. Scam. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you got to take a lot of take just action. Don't don't be too precious because when you think your script is perfect and you're like, I don't know what to do with this anymore. I think it's great. Uh, someone else is going to get it. They're going to have their vision for it. Else. So you want it to be solid. You have to be, yes. careful. you won't be too precious where you might take offense where someone has notes and feedback. There's a whole, whole notes and back is like a whole other area of the game. Yeah, that's that's like a whole another discussion um, that it could take hours. Um, but it's but it's also very interesting to to have um, at one stage or another. Um, absolutely, there's a smart uh, way. There's a smart way to take notes. Yes, there is a smart way to give notes also. <laughs> but yes. I, because yes. I will very just true. say this that I'd know? like to hear from you. Yeah, you get. You yes, give a exactly. Lot of that's that's sort of my field. My field of expertise is just that. You know. Um, so the way I see it is just, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm brought in, I'm sort of the, the script whisperer, um, so to speak. You know, I'm, I'm brought you're, in when, you're the, when doctor. the going, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when, when the going gets tough, that's when they call me. And usually the going is already that tough that the, the divisions um, of both parties, like usually the director and the, the screenwriter, they, they differ so immensely from each other that it's sort of that that it feels like okay this is going so off the rails that it's probably not going to happen so that's when i come in you know but they because they invested so much money in that already that they want to this get fixed you know and then i come into the room and i sit down first i sit down with the writer and i i talk to them a lot on <clears throat> trying to understand their vision like what's it what is the movie that you want to make? Okay. And once I've understood this, I go and sit with the director and say like, okay, what's the movie that you want to make? And once I have this information, you know, I, I go back and try to see whether uh, in which, which situations it would fit, you know, and where it differs so much that people, you know, cannot really figure out uh, what the next step is going to be. So the smart way of giving notes is this. You just, um, you just listen. You just listen a long time and you learn what the perspective on the movie is and what the vision is for each one character that's involved in that. And once you figure that one out, the smart thing to give notes is to make 
you know, to ask questions in a way that the answer you give me is taking you to the next step where, so that you realize, oh my God, this is my idea. Where actually it was just me, you know, sort of trying to figure out what the next step is. And then I'm asking you the right question, but you can answer it. And this gives you the feeling that you came up with the idea. You actually came up with the idea, but I was just, you know, sort of giving you a slight push in that direction. And that's, that's sort of, you know, what, what I do uh, and what I'm really, really good at uh, and what I love doing, you know, because it, this is exactly what I love. <laughs> um, but um, not a lot of people can do this. And, and the reason why so many things go wrong in, 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 in you know, you have heard the expression development hell, right? Development hell is when, when two parties can figure out how to talk to each other. And, and once, once they can, you know, the, the going is smoother. You know, there will still be, you know, minor hiccups and whatnot, but they establish a conversation and now they can interact. And if that is not happening, you're in deep trouble. You're in deep trouble. Mm -hmm. And that's when yeah, you that's true. guys that's like me. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that, that those conversations break down and they need someone to come in and to referee and help and patch yes. up and coach yeah. everybody up and exactly, get them on the yeah. same page again and then you know because i've i've had to uh direct my scripts um not had to had the privilege to and i get notes from people and they want to change it it's very similar where i sit quietly nodding even to the most insane notes from a crazy person yeah. just a smile and <laughs> nod because yeah. Because, and this is for everybody out there, if you're working in a team and you get a note you hate, you better not speak up because yeah. the note yeah. you speak, the note you speak out against, everyone's going to remember that, that conflict exactly. that happens in the room, yes. that yes. note, all of a sudden it's like, well, that's the note that better change. Yes. So if you yes. just sit quietly and just grin and bear it yeah. and then let people think they're getting their way, I mean, you still want to be respectful and like try to finesse no things and you want to no come doubt. to asking questions as a director, making sure I understand like what happened. Usually whatever their note is, is a symptom of something happening earlier in the script, not working yeah. out like a planting and paying off. Something isn't paying off. Right. So you as, as position of your own script have to go back and figure out what did pay off properly that you're getting such a major note and you need to clarify it. But, you also need to pick and choose your battles. Like if there's if there's something coming up and everyone's giving you notes and everyone's getting your way, you can make a stand and say, uh, you know, I'm I'm doing everything you guys want, so this is the one thing I have to I'm going to fight for. And then they're usually going to concede to that because yeah. if you're working with rational people, that's usually what happens. So I've had to go through those scenarios through multiple fellowships and in film school, and I got better and better at because your ego goes out the door and you don't have to respond to everything and you mm -hmm. sit there and you realize i have all the power as long as i sit here silently like the godfather does in all of his <laughs> meetings right the godfather's not cutting people off and yeah. everything. he's sitting there it's like he's the he's the mastermind behind this all i'm seeing right. 10 steps ahead of all of you right? right so so have that tight and patience and grace in those moments um and then fight for what you need to fight for in those moments and and yeah. if you're going to fight for it you got to go to battle. So I remember having, it's, it's almost like a, uh, you know, like a rap battle, like you'd see like an eight mile or something. 
you end up yeah. having that but with like movies and movie references and how things things have been tried and played out and where it what wins and where it fails so mm -hmm. i just had a deeper cinematic language and knowledge so i was in a room with like five other uh uh producers yeah and the money people i was able to just lay out a minefield of all of these cinematic experiences that led to success and like this is what we're going for here and just trust me because this is a tried and true thing that works and 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 then i also had a mentor that i got on the same page with my producer so it was almost a fair fight for a change that right. we were all unified on the same page so it wasn't just me versus everybody it was i actually had a little bit of a team to kind of back me up and then all of a sudden we got our way and then when they're all like you know you were right we're glad you you fought for that and you trusted your yeah. instincts and then they got their notes and uh that were good notes because you want to entertain the, the good ones and celebrate those mm -hmm. and make them feel good because they also need to be a part of the project because everyone wants to whisper to the person to in their seat that was my idea for that scene oh, let yes. them have that idea right? so true let them so have true. that yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's so true. It's good yeah every, everybody wins like it's like yeah. it's not about me it's not my movie it's it was all we all did this together so yeah right was sharing. yeah yeah and it, that's i mean um this this mindset will also keep you sane along the way um because it's 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 a, it's a tough way um and it, it takes a lot of courage and it, it's probably long um so prepare yourself for like this like they say you know this this marathon a marathon um it's not a sprint yeah. um but it's but it's a collective effort you know especially movie making it's other than you know writing your novel that's that's a different animal you know um you get away yeah. with a lot more stuff in writing your novel um because you only have to deal like only in hyphens you only have to deal with your editor um and that's about it you know um but in movies not so much no um okay it's, so it's clark yeah yeah no you you're gonna say you were gonna say in no it's it's you know what makes cinema the highest form is because it's so collaborative and we're on the cutting edge of every type of technology that we should be having the greatest art form ever on screen right now we don't, i don't believe we have that so we, that's why it's up to us writers to really do this self-work because someone watching someone listening somewhere could be like next tarantino and writing and it's, we really need that yes, yes. Uh, in the world and in cinema to really to really bolster it because there's so much tv and so many series that more and more people want to get their catharsis in 90 minutes again mm. so we're going to end up because you know the industry is cyclical right we if you if you if you study the history of cinema you start to see the cycles and patterns emergence merge and we're mm -hmm. coming back to a new that cycle repeating again so yes, i uh, i would agree 100 so, self-work yes. the discipline plan all things like there's it's complicated and what it's there's a great line in um uh the uh, king's speech i mm -hmm. love the king's speech uh david seedler wrote an amazing script i love it the, just this 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 great two-hander film and at, at when he says to him forget everything i taught you this whole movie right about getting over a stutter and all the in his character arc, his problems with his, his whole his whole life, everything, right? It all comes down to this moment. Forget all of it and just say it to me. And um, and then he launches into the speech, right? Yeah. Same thing. And writing is so similar. Everything we're talking about, all the experiences, 
all the books we've read, all the drafts we've written, all the notes we've received, all the classes we've taken. You get to a point where you just have to forget all of that and you're just going to write and you're just going to pour it in onto the page. And at that point, you've just, you've just put all the bricks in the bag and it's just this impossible sack to carry. And then you just say, I'm going to drop it all and I'm just going to put it on the page. I have everything. Otherwise, I can do analysis to death, analysis paralysis. I'll just read and study forever. I'll watch all these video essays on YouTube and yeah. I'll never write. You can do that all day long. Um, exactly. You just need to let go and you just need to do it. Yeah, yeah. Because you can, you can get caught up in trying to be as perfect as you see yourself. Or if you seek to be as perfect as you think you can be, then sometimes this is exactly what stands in the way of you actually progressing. Because you can actually only progress if you put in, you know, the work and really put it to action. Yep. Other than that, yep. it's not, it's never going to happen. It's just never going to happen. And you get you get frustrated along the way more so um, than when you just put in the work and you see a result and then you can strive from that because you understand what yeah. you actually were doing and now you can make a difference. You can do it differently and learn something. Okay, Absolutely. so Evan, it was it was such a pleasure talking to you. This could Same. go on. This could go on forever. I feel this. Could yeah, go I feel on like we, we just scratched the surface. I got yes, so absolutely. much stuff. Absolutely, <laughs> and I, and I would, I would say like, let's let's continue it. You know, um, some someday. Um, yeah. but um, it was it was such a pleasure, and uh, thanks for being you know so honest and sharing your journey with you know us. And all your um, your thoughts, you know, sharing your thoughts on the, the topics that we discussed um, so truthfully. Absolutely. And I think because th that's exactly what, you know, I, I want to be all about, you know, I want to, you know, encourage people to be sort of the true, their truthful selves. And hopefully what comes across is that, you know, one sees this and picks up, you know, something that you said and thinks to him or herself, all right, if that's what happened to him, I, you know, I can do it too. Like, this is, this is it. This yeah. is not impossible. It's, it's a journey and it's a process, but I can do it. Um, and that's, Absolutely. then that's when we sort of get the next Tarantino, like you said, you know, and because that's when the magic actually happens. Um, yeah. I, so, you know, I just, after all the experiences I have, I just want to give it away. I want people to learn and having cut their curves in half too. It's like whatever I can, yeah. however I can be charitable with this, take my ridiculously stupid expensive film school ex uh, uh, education <laughs> and let me give it away for free. Like ask me and I can help and, or help find clarity if that's right for you. Like I just, I just want to be charitable and help in any way I can, wherever I can. So listen, and you offer a platform for that and you're doing it too. And I think it's awesome what you're doing because someone Thanks like you. me, who's busy out there trying it all out, I'm still looking and seeing what you're posting every day and it pumps me up. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not alone. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. Mission, mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. Right. So um, before we, before we really wrap it up. Um, so the last question for you would be like name, the last, let's say three, um, it could be less um, things that you've seen either, you know, like a TV show or a movie that, 
you that that taught you something that you didn't really understand up to that point in terms of writing or where you had yeah, some kind of epiphany a, that's a that's a that's a good question because i'm a i'm a pretty big critic with, with movie because i've seen so much yeah. um you know okay uh one example I really, so recently, you know, after I really loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And okay. one thing that really, it really blew me away because I, knowing the Sharon Tate murder and what happens to her, I was, mm -hmm. I was, uh, I was a research assistant on the movie Zodiac, uh, the Fincher right. film a while ago. The Fincher one, yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah so I, I was a research assistant on all the, all the letters that he sent all over to the newspapers. And in that process, I was seeing like all the death that happened in Vietnam and reading every daily paper about the Manson murders and everything. So I had this very real visceral experience when this movie was playing that I am waiting to, I, I have signed up to watch the most horrific Tarantino exploitive murder scene. Right. And that, yeah. that, that clinging to, to me the entire time I want for that to be, my expectations to be subverted in the best possible way. Seventh Seal, what I particularly like about that is how that movie launches action in the first scene. Right? It's it's mm -hmm. the knight playing chess with death, and you're like you're inciting an incident. You, I really that, the earlier the better. The faster you can get to that moment, the more yes. the audience will appreciate yes. you, and you launch into your story. If you're inciting incidents coming like on page thirty, you're in such deep hot water like you need to reassess yeah. you have so much fat and i've done that i know what that feels like it doesn't feel yeah. good exposition uh, so seeing a movie like that yeah you know so it's it's uh seeing that movie that it's been done so long ago uh was just a great example of that and then it really it then it allows you to go on that journey and spend more time with those characters explore the major themes of what's yeah. the meaning of life right in a very comical way by the way people think of uh the Seventh Seal is being some very severe movie, but it's not. It's actually very light and funny. And Ingmar is a master because of his ability to Absolutely. balance. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's is fantastic. Wrote sixty films and directed them. It's unbelievable. Um, uh, and um, and what else? Another a third. If I had to come up with a third movie, you don't you don't have to um, unless it. I don't have to. I'll probably. I'll, I'll probably be eating later and I'll think of it. I'm like, oh, I gotta tell Ben I got it. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Those two are good. Those, <laughs> those two are good for now. Those are some. Yeah, good then, then please, on. then please share it with me, and I share it with everyone else. Then. Um, okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So yeah. Um, so the the final question, you know, and after this, um, I'm I'm gonna have to let you go for now. Um, is since this Corona thing is happening, you know, and I'm. I'm assuming that you guys are affected by that as well, and you're probably on lockdown as well. Um, so what's, Unfortunately, what's, yeah. Yeah, what's, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of, you know, after the lockdown? What is it you want to do um, besides getting oh. back on set? <laughs> well, it's interesting. I, I'm already, I am treating this as if the lockdown's ending tomorrow. And am I ready? Like, I don't want to just have the lockdown be over. And it's like, okay, everyone go back to work. And then I'm like, oh, now I'm going to start up 
and get things going. It's like, no, that's happening now. Right. I feel right. like I, I am, I already feel like I'm behind and everyone's gone back to work, even though that's not the case. I, my self-talk and my positive mental attitude moves in that direction. So I'm already preparing. I'm already, that's why I have such a strict routine right now mm-hmm. as if, and, and that won't change once this is over. It's like, what are all the things I can be doing now to prepare for that? So when this is over, the meetings I was supposed to be taking about fundraising for my feature film script yeah. that, I, that I called off because when someone's going to meet a stranger and they don't know if you have COVID or not, yeah. they don't want to meet with you. All of a sudden, everything like, I had, the momentum I had moving on uh, a feature film project that was supposed to get set up at the end of the year completely done for me. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, how, mm-hmm. how, how can I still be prepared and, that, and, and not be a victim? Like I refuse to be a victim of this. How can I make this a strength? Well, are all the things that, how can I iron out all the things in my life that aren't um, where they need to be? This is my chance to be firing on every single cylinder. So everyone yeah. else who's just getting off their couch at the end of COVID, I've already been running laps around them for the last seven hours this morning. Right, so right. that's my goal is to just come, come out on fire, going to kick it because I have a big mission and I want to like excel for my family uh, and all everything that matters to me in my life. So, uh, so I want to have my projects ready. I script treatment. I probably am not going to do a sizzle reel because if someone needs that, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right person for me because yeah. that's someone probably in a, more, a busier, more advanced production company and might not be looking for those kind of funds right now. It'd be grassroots. So I, I just want to come out, with the people in the meetings I want to set up, everyone that's been waiting to work with me to see what's coming out next. I'm like, here it is. Now we can meet and get in a room and talk about it. It's great to do Zooms, but it's something when you're like breaking with somebody and you're having an experience, especially after COVID's over. And we're like, what are your first bonding experiences going to be? Let's, Mm. let's not start from scratch, but let's just start and do that. So I'm just going to be coming out ready to go, have all materials ready for people and just take massive action. Keep those routines that I'm, I'm, I'm making these ironclad routines now. Yes. So when I come out and everything's done, those are in place. And then I just build on that. So yeah. um, I'm, ex- I'm excited when this is over. It's like, hey, I, if it ends tomorrow, I'm not 100% ready. But, but I'm in much better shape today yeah. than I was like two, three, four weeks ago. So mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm excited for it. And I'm curious what it's like for you, actually, you know, because the whole COVID mistakes. thing, yeah, it's um, yeah. it's beginning to calm down here um, for the most part, um, and sort of mm-hmm. um, it's it it kind of already feels like you know people are going back um, to you know their routines, uh, and also mm-hmm. when you when you go when I go jogging in the park, you know, I see I see so many people just you know being in groups again and again, so. So it already feels like the end, but um, yep. but I have this you know this this terrible feeling in my gut that it's just you know still we're still at the at the beginning of it all. So um, so that's probably not a uh, that's probably not safe um, to go about it like this. Um, but people mm-hmm. are so so much you know they just want to go out and and who can who can blame them you know they've been in you know mm-hmm. lockdown for two months now. Um, and it's tough, you yeah. know, and even, even with, you know, my kids and I'm, you know, homeschooling, I have to you know, sort of get this happening aside from my own stuff um, that that cannot wait. 
So that's that's the mm-hmm. challenge. That's definitely a challenge, you know. And and the only way to go about this challenge is to introduce some structure, some new structure that you know have you have yeah. to sort of evaluate every every day, you know. Sort of, I I need to sort of at the end of the day, I just look back at the day and then I ask myself, okay, what was that working? Or, or do I need to improve, improve something because it it was definitely not, you know, we didn't we didn't get the work done that we all wanted to do. Um, so yeah. yeah, and it's and, it, and like I said, you know, and, and I keep sharing this in my videos as well. Like it, it, it's, it was a it was a chance for me to sort of you know go back and um, reassess what I was going to be about, what I wanted to do, and in my future, what I wanted to focus on more um, stuff that I need to let go in my life. You know, people that I need to sort of cut out of my life. That became very obvious. So. All of this combined, um, it, it helped me so much um, to to refocus, you know. And also, I needed. Yeah. To, I thought, okay, you know, I, now's the time to do the stuff that I always wanted to do, like like doing stuff like this, you know. I always wanted to do yeah. this, um, but I never sort of came around. And and there was also also always excuses, you know. <laughs> I'm full of excuses yeah. as well. So. And then I thought, you know, much like you with your routine, like, you know, you have to really iron it out. You have to really um, stick to it and then set yourself some, some goals, some rules, and then you're going to, you know, you're going to tackle it um, one day Absolutely. at a time. And, and so, so this is really what I'm also being about, you know, in, in this whole lockdown thing. It, it, it helped me so much to, on the, on the one hand side, heal, on the other hand, to focus on something that I always wanted to do. Um, so that was, that was really important. That was really important, yeah. It's good. It's good. I mean, there's, you got to find the good in these moments. You know, if, yes. if you're going to suffer, suffer well. Suffer yeah. well. And, th- and there's going to be beautiful gems and roses on the other side of that. Like, it's interesting. No because, doubt. You know, um, because uh, I, you know, I'm Catholic. So uh, during Lent, I gave up Instagram and I had that whole purge and then all this stuff was going on at the same time. And I had a, had a birth of a new baby. So my routines, all yeah. things are kind of going crazy, but having that purge and coming back and adding these new routines and being a good father and, and, and still finding time to work right. and taking, making a lot of different things happen all at once was a chance to really say, how can I be a piece of iron sharpening iron and come out better after this COVID lockdown, then going yeah. into it yeah. and having that Instagram purge and coming back and not coming back and consuming. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you have that two hours go by and then you feel, so, feel totally depleted and unaccomplished. I was like, yes. no, if yes, I'm going right. to use it, I'm going to post. Cause you probably noticed the difference. All of a sudden I just started posting and not all my interactions actually with people, which is great, which is what I actually wanted in the first, in first yes, place, exactly. not, atten- not attention, I, I started posting, I'm like, I don't care if one person sees this. I, I don't, if they do, I hope I'm adding value to their lives and enhancing it in some way, but yeah. I don't need validation. And that, and that crosses over to the screenwriting too. I don't need validation. I know what I'm doing. I have a higher mission and desire and something important in life. And, and that's bigger than me. The why, you were talking about the why the other day. My why is huge. Yes. My why is in there, in, in there. Why starts for my family and then it can, if those universal values will branch out from there to, to other people, they'll pick up on that, right? Yes, absolutely right. Absolutely right. hundred percent um, heartfelt, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yeah, brother. Um, thank you so much, man.
um it was yeah this has been great it was a, it w i had a blast i had a blast um and we we have to we have to pick it up um sometime yeah. soon we'll do it again hey, whenever you want to do it again uh i'm game this is fun i love talking shop i love talking shop yeah Sa same here same here and um thanks to all the people who've stuck with us and who've watched it through to the end and i hope it was valuable valuable to you as well um as much as it was to me um and yes so let's call it a day when it's it's, it. night, it's night time here already but you're just uh, okay. in the middays right we're middle of the day it's 90 degrees and los angeles right now so okay <laughs> i'm gonna go so, grab some ac and some food we'll do this again i'm really excited thank you for having me on this is absolutely fun. take care man take care stay safe all right brother till next time till next time bye 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 all right guys that's it for this episode i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did i think uh evan brought some great values and made some great points about the industry and how to break in and the struggles that um, come with it and showed us a way to deal with it. Of course, everyone has his own personal journey and it will differ big time, but I hope it was encouraging for you guys And I hope that you took something away from it that might also even help you develop your own career or maybe it helped you see straighter in the parts that you need to work on. Uh, all in all, I'm very thankful for Evan. Evan, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to speak to you, to sit down and speak to you. And thanks for being so honest and so open about everything. All right. So that's it. Make sure you like and subscribe and all this good stuff. And I would very much appreciate it if you come back and listen to the next episode that is coming out soonish. Okay. Take great care, guys. And... Right on.